Welcome to the Get Good at Presenting podcast with Lee Jackson. Hello and welcome to Get Good at Presenting the podcast with myself, Lee Jackson. It's me, Lee Jackson. I haven't been anywhere. I've been in lockdown and I've got a special episode today because I've invited some of my friends who are fellow speakers. Some of them have been on the podcast previously. A couple couldn't get in because of Zoom issues, but we're here and oh, someone else is going to let someone else in. Who knows? We're here, we're live, and we're going to be talking about the future of speaking and the future of the speaking business. Let me introduce the people who are on my screen right now. I've got Simon Hazeldean, who's a PSAE, which is Professional Speaking Award of Excellence, and a fellow of the PSA, which is the Professional Speaking Association. Because I know you guys, I'm going to try and say what you do, and you can correct me, okay? Okay. Simon Hazeldean... <clears throat> specializes in sales processes for corp for corporate clients would that be right simon yeah sales transformation sales performance yeah processes processes definitely part of it mate yeah great thank you i am i am vaguely correct next we've got is the wonderful pam burrows we've had on before pam burrows a people booster she specializes in doing well-being and um just brilliant well-being related stress related type stuff to large organizations i think would that be a bad description yeah i help the organization to have a stress strategy and then individuals to have stress techniques stress reduction techniques i should say excellent and we've now got the very shy and retiring nigel risner nigel risner helps organizations to communicate as a team by using the idea that we're all in a zoo is that something vaguely right nigel come on help me out it's nearly right. That's why we always send introductions to the person who's introducing us so it doesn't sound as shite as that. Exactly right. That's right. So it's something about animals and zoos. Am I right, Nigel? Exactly right. I'm the chief zookeeper, but today I'm the chief monkey officer because I've decided to bring a bit of sparkle and energy to this illustrious speaking zoo we have here today. Thank you, Nigel. Always a pleasure to see you. And next is um, the next president-elect, I believe, of the Professional Speaking Association, the wonderful Dr. Linda Shaw. I don't know many doctors, so I like to keep calling a doctor. It helps. And Linda Shaw, I think, if I'm right, Linda, you are an expert in neuroscience and brain chemistry that helps people to understand that and organizations to understand neuroscience and how it affects them. Yes, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I'm a neuroscientist, a business psychologist, and I specialize in change. But I, the big key is how brain changes behavior and behavior changes the brain. And when we get a handle on that and an understanding, we've got more control of our destiny. Wow. I'm signing up already. Do you know? Uh, yes, I haven't done. I'm just trying to guess at people's things. It's a bit of a laugh. I'm sorry. The next one is my very good friend, David Heiner. David's been on the podcast previously. David Heiner is, how can I say? Um, he's wonderful. He's amazing. He's a goal setting expert and also is a researcher for top achievers and speaks in schools, businesses, and organizations in many different places and is generally a good bloke. Is that a good introduction, Dave? Hang on. <laughs> That's good. Good bloke. <laughs> good bloke. People book him because he's a good bloke. Good it's bloke. <laughs> and the next person who is kind of trying to get on the call is Rebecca Jones. Rebecca Jones is the chair of the Professional Speaking Association in the UK and Ireland. And Rebecca is also an expert in, in entrepreneurial mindset and stretchy thinking. But she's having a few internet issues. So she may join us. She may not. I think she's gone again, but she may come back. So thanks so much for being here, guys. Just thanks for your time. I'm going to ask really two simple questions. 
The first one is about speaking itself, the actual art of speaking and how it's changed over lockdown. So post-coronavirus, how are we doing things differently? And the second question is, how have you adjusted your business, because you're all professional speakers, to adjust for the new season that we're in, really? And remember, I said at the beginning, there was a fine, a five-pound fine, so every time we mention the word pivot, or every time we mention the word new normal, okay? Five pounds going to the PSA Foundation. We'll see if we can and get un- through unprecedented. It. Unprecedented. We should add that one in as well, shouldn't we? But it, yeah, it is kind of true though, isn't it? That's the thing. So, Linda, let me ask you first. How has speaking changed for you, and how do you think it's going to be different? Well, I, I, I think that uh, we, what, is, what has happened would have happened anyway, but it's been accelerated because of the pandemic. So we were heading for this hybrid way of presenting. So I think being an online presenter is going to stay, but I'm so hoping we get back in the room with human beings because I'm missing them terribly. So I, I think moving forward, we will all be using um, the internet a lot more or virtual speaking as well as being in the room with a bit of luck and a fair wind. And the other thing I, I can see is that we are now so global. Anybody can access our work and we can access any conference around the world so easily that I think one of the side effects of that could be that we've got to up our game even more We've got to be even better because now we're, we're competing with worldwide speakers. And that's huge. That's absolutely huge. So I think for, for me, I've definitely working even harder than I ever to be better than I have been. Thanks, Linda. Yeah, I, I always got a bit annoyed in lockdown um, that on, I stopped listening to the radio because the radio in lockdown kept saying about everyone, everyone was doing nothing. And I've, I've worked really hard during this period. So, uh, um, so uh, Simon, um, tell us a bit about what you're doing and, and how has that changed for you? Yeah, I think in terms of, um, uh, you know, echoing Linda's comment, I don't think since I started my own business, I've worked harder in the last in the last few months. So, uh, yeah, I'm like you, listening to everybody who's saying they were sitting around at home was kind of like, what? <laughs> so, I mean, firstly, I just redoubled all of my sales and marketing efforts, and it was persuading uh, customers who previously hadn't worked with us virtually to do so and get them on, got them onto interactive sessions and sort of educated them about the possibility. So I think to, to Linda's point, you know, it's accelerated what was already there. We were using uh, quite a lot of um, virtual sort of follow-ups, virtual coaching from after main sort of, we've run a seminar or a workshop, some virtual follow-ups, which has been yep. a fantastic way of generating additional revenue. And it just meant we just moved the first part on and had to be had to be adjusted to suit virtual online delivery shorter sharper sessions very very high levels of interactivity and involvement and you know utilizing you use, use the zoom platform you know in breakouts etc so on and so forth polling using the whole thing to really really make it make it come alive yeah to linda's point as well you know I've spoken, I was just having a look, I've spoken in Australia, Singapore, India, China, USA, and most of Europe in the last few months from my <laughs> office at home. So the, the, the potentially there are some interesting opportunities because, you know, we'll, we'll tend to work with large corporates and they're spread out globally. It opens up potentially additional opportunities, but full shift to online, shorter, sharper, have to redesign everything for online delivery and obviously raise your game about, your virtual delivery skills and audience interactivity and it is that is they're shifting over i think of skills we've already got but adapting them to that 
that environment and really knowing your tech, I think. Nothing, I'm not a techie, but you've got to know the platform you're using, sort of like second nature. And I think that's, that's the important, important thing. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the short, sharp thing is, is big right now. Yeah. A client rang me yesterday and they want me to do, I mean, have we decided whether it's, is it virtual or remote? We need to decide on that word. Don't use remote. Don't use remote. Psychologically, okay. people hate the word remote. Okay, good. Okay, why do you say that, Nigel? Well, because we're not, we're not remote. We're just not in the same place we normally were. So when you say someone's a remote worker, you're leaving them out and saying they're somewhere else. And psychologically, people feel really distanced from where they are. Interesting. So you furloughed workers. And so really what you've said is we're going to continue on our payroll through the government or however it's done. But you're still part of the family. But we've nearly forgotten them. Then you have remote workers who are being paid to do a job, but they're left alone. But we might sometimes speak to you. Psychologically, they're all workers. You've just got to be careful on the word remote. So just for other speakers, though, because... I'm not a virtual speaker. I'm still, this is still me in real life. Virtual means a different version of me, an electronic version of me. Mm. So that, that doesn't seem to fit either, does that, it? At least to that question, to everyone who's listening to us, people pay us for our content. So I'm giving you my best content online. I, you know, I, my big phrase is if you're in the room, be in the room. Or now if, if you're on Zoom, be on Zoom. Be present. <laughs> be massively, pa- you know. So I have a fetish for PVC. Just thought I'd share that. Which is about passion. Thanks for that, Nigel. Thank you. Passion, vision, and communication. No, but, but seriously, you've got to be passionate and you have a much shorter window to keep people engaged. So they're not remote. We know we're, we're doing the same speech, but you've got to lose, use loads of energy. I don't use any slides at all. I, I've got even less tech than I was before. I've got great props. I use lots of energy. I don't even use breakout rooms, even, and I've got 1,600 people in the Cayman Islands in three hours' time or four hours' time. I won't be going to breakout rooms. People don't like shifting. I know we like to think they do, but we've had lots of research on this. People want to be talking to people. Okay. So you need to think about that. You wouldn't all of a sudden in the middle of your speech say, Lee, uh, everyone on the left-hand side, can you just leave the room, and then, and then we're going to come back in 15 minutes and you'll discuss. I, I know I why suppose, we do it. I suppose it depends what they're expecting. Expecting, but we'll go into that in a moment. But uh, let me ask you, Pam. I've not asked you yet. Um, you, t- t- you know, how do you think speaking has changed for you? I've I've seen you speaking from your shed, which has been great. Yes, that's been delightful. I've had my feet in a bucket of water in the shed, which uh, is a whole other story. That was utterly delightful. My favourite piece of work yet. And so, yeah, a, a bit of a mixture. I had some work booked in where they were happy to go from in person to online and in terms of the terminology I'm just saying in person or online you know the kind of remote virtual thing I'm just saying online because it's just it just does what it says on the tin you know that's that's what we're doing it's it's a it's a method of delivery so some of my stuff went online some disappeared altogether and I think one of the things that we have to I've had to Uh, take note of is that whilst as speakers and especially if like Simon you're already doing stuff online you're kind of like come on it's easy I'll show you how to do it even but what we're forgetting is what they're experiencing at the same time so the first few weeks and months of lockdown they're dealing with the fear personally their own fears and stresses and then organizationally all the stresses and changes and just very practical things of trying to get everybody sorted sorting the finances worrying about income or funding or whatever their income is all of that stuff so 
now people are starting to say, right, we're now ready to look at different options and things are starting to, I think people generally in themselves are starting to feel a little bit more confident, a bit more familiar. And I think things are starting to pick up. But the other thing that that I was doing as well was um, some online programs. So some customers said, we want you to do something live. And we did very interactive stuff, like Nigel said, very high energy, lots of props, lots of fun, keeping people engaged. As another speaker friend of ours, Tom Morley says, suddenly everybody's in the front row um, and you need to keep them engaged. But, but some customers said, we want some stuff we can put on our internet intranet that people can access as and when they want. Yeah. So I made some programs that were recorded videos, some bespoke, some, some not bespoke. And, and so... As Linda said at the very beginning, it's it's a hybrid, you know, and I think that's that's what we need to be ready for. It's great content, and it can be delivered in any number of ways that suit you and the customer. But just to just to finish, yesterday I had my first call to book me for an in-person event uh-huh. for September. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, how- that's tricky. My my client tried to move the September one online because it's I think. I don't understand, but I think it's probably illegal to do an in-person event with more than a few people. More more than 30, but that does change. I think it's, is it first First of October that changes? But it's actually a small team of 10. And she's saying they'll be socially distanced and da, da, da. But she's happy to see how things go when we're nearer the time because everything changes, doesn't it? Just on that, Lee, I had 200 teachers in Watford for the 1st of September. Literally get confirmed last week. Then to find out that Watford football ground, unless we did it in the actual football ground and I was standing in the centre circle, we just couldn't do it because you need a space of like three Wembley stadiums indoors. So they moved it to the 4th of January. So I don't think any live events are going to happen for any group over 30 in September. Yeah, the only thing thing I've heard of is um, comedians and bands, they've done some drive-ins and my cousin's a church leader in the northeast, and they've done drive-in church where they set up on a on the side of a truck and you drive in. So I could maybe maybe we can do driving gigs. So I haven't asked you, David. Uh, t- 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 are you going to do any driving gigs coming up, Dave? Yeah, I, I just want to go to a drive-in ministry. Hello, welcome to God. Have a nice day. <laughs> You're close <laughs> to God. Do you want fries with that? Do you want fries with your prayer? <laughs> Can we go large on faith? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, hi, welcome everyone. Thanks, Lee. What, a, what, a, what, a, what an eclectic, bizarre, and beautiful, beautiful bunch. This is like the most bizarre session of Celebrity Squares in history. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, how has it changed for me? I'll be honest, work has taken a back seat. And the reason I put the headset on, um, you know, I was messing around with the headset, just as Nigel was saying, be in the room. I was going, oh, crap. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to deaden out some noise beyond the, the office there. But it's, it's changed for me massively because, like, it, like most people, my diary just vanished. It went from being my busiest year ever to zip, nada. And I went into blind panic. And once I relaxed a bit, I thought, okay, let's help people. Because everyone was saying they were struggling. So actual measured value, I gave away and up to date about £60,000 worth of audio and video content. I'll be honest, whether they wanted it or not. And, um, and, uh, that, that's David. Yes, you're going to have it, whether you like it or not. You, you are running around the UK in your car, putting USBs through people's letterbox. Is that what you're doing, Dave? I, I did literally have some customers say, Dave, enough now. But... but 
But on the back of it, the goodwill it created has led to, let's just say, enough income that I'm comfortable and safe if this goes on a while. And what happened was they were coming back and saying, Dave, love that video course you sent us. Can we buy it for 43 schools? Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then you know, some of the corporates I sent it to were coming back and saying, what else have you got? I said, well, funny you should say that. Um, happened to have eight other courses. And I had to get my head around, because like, like most people here on, on the screen, we're grafters. Hmm. And I had a massive culture shock around press a button, send a Dropbox file, and send the invoice for it. Yeah. I did, by the way, David. I had no achievement <laughs> at all on that. Seriously, we, we created a new assessment tool, and I had no issues at all saying, here's some work, because it takes a bit of time to create. I think one of the things that speakers forget, it takes time to produce some online material so you're getting paid for the hard work. It looks like no different, David. Sorry to interrupt. But when you do a 45-minute keynote, people go, well, you only spoke for 45 minutes. Uh, well, no, I didn't. It took 10 years to create the content. It then took me three hours to find Doncaster, stay overnight in some shite hotel called Premier Inn. Oh, no, Paul McGee's not here, so it's a lovely hotel. And then you got Purple Palace, hours, as we know it. And five hours to come home for that one hour, which is never one hour. So when you do your Dropbox... They're not paying just for you sending it. It's the creation and the value it's going to give. And if your values have no good, you shouldn't be charging for it anyway. And if your value is important, then they should be paying for your content. I'm just going to say that, that, that you've brought up an issue there, Nigel. Um, sorry, Dave, I'll be back. Just one second, just while it's in my head. This, this um, idea that, you know, we are now, because we can actually deliver a talk three times a day, I've actually had bookers say to me, oh, we're not paying you your full fee because we know that you can actually earn more money now in a day. I'm going, I think, well, actually, that's none of your business. Oh, gosh. It's none of your business because yeah. the content is still the same. I'm still me. I'm still doing what I'm doing. And it's none of your business if I can actually deliver this three times or a hybrid of it or, you know, a, a bespoke version of it for others, whatever it is. It's called so jealousy. I, Seriously. I, I, yeah, I think sometimes that people out there do need a bit of educating but, but, that, but that's the that's... key word, Linda. They let, let, need to be educated in what we do. And because we don't tell people what we do, they don't think they should pay for okay. what we do. Okay, thanks, Nigel. I'm going to go back to Dave to finish Sorry, off. I help Sorry, Dave. Go, Dave. We, we were just about to get into a conspiracy versus sheeple conversation <laughs> there, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> go for it, Dave. Go for it. I have to say I'm very, very grateful for the fact, luckily, I set up a mastermind group last year, so that's created some bread and butter. The product's been selling, but I have learned two things, big things about myself and the business during lockdown. Number one is that I will not go back at all to four or five days on the road doing what I was doing. I just wow. will not. I refuse point blank. I've also learned in equal measure that as exciting as it was in the first month, I do not want to sit at my desk five days a week doing <laughs> webinars and yeah. creating video stuff. I will want a blended operation. I've already put the first draft of a plan in place that will be the next 20 years of my business. And it will be a blend of virtual keynoting and my big master plan to take over the world. Is it smart? And no, <laughs> it's ludicrous. <laughs> so, have, so Dave, like, like, uh, you can say no to me. Let me just push you on that a little bit. You were obviously a busy speaker doing lots of schools, organizations, 
I remember on Facebook, maybe a year or two ago, you was just saying, does anyone know a driver? Because mm. you were going on like a seven-day trip and you just need someone to drive you around the country, right? It's great that you were that busy. It's great that you're doing it. You're an amazing speaker. So what has changed? What has suddenly happened where you're thinking, I'm not going to be on the road for six days now? Does anyone remember in the 1970s and or the early 80s, there used to be, Nigel, don't you shake your head. Of course you remember the 70s. <laughs> You've got a medallion, mate. Of course you remember the people listening to this. <laughs> Those little things on the wall, it, used, it was a comical quip that you say, it, remember that uh, it's hard to re- remember that when you're up to your ass in alligators, the original plan was to drain the swamp. I kind of got used to that's it. I've got a free day in the diary. If a customer wants me, I'm there. So I just went. And a bit like Nigel alluded to earlier with tongue lodged firmly in cheek, you know, Premier Inn was my second home. In fact, there were weeks where I spent far more time in a Premier Inn than my own home. And I used to think, you know, whereas actually having five months at home, do you know what? (laughs) Yeah. Could get used to that. I had a, a like a little road to Damascus moment. I work with a large pharmaceutical, and I I run this two day session for them. These people who are kind of scientists, and they're suddenly looking after customers commercially, and they're a bit they're a bit freaked out by it. So we do this sort of two day customer interaction seminar workshop with them, and we transferred it over to online. Three three short ninety minute sessions with breaks, short sharp, etc. And it, it's it's quite hard work. The virtual stuff here is very intense Ooh. concentration. I'm getting all the nods. People going blimey, and we'd finish by about three o'clock. And it's day two, and I was sat in the back garden with my wife having a cup of tea. And I went, Phew, it's hard work. This this virtual stuff, you know, it's really it takes a lot of energy. And then I went, hang on a minute. This was supposed to have been run in Basel in Switzerland. I'd have had to drive down to Heathrow park up two hours get on the flight get to the yeah. hotel in basel probably about midnight get up early run the two days taxi back to basel airport back to heathrow get my car drive home and i probably get home at 11 o'clock at night so and i went hang on a minute <laughs> that was also hard work and that was a bit of a, of a moment where i thought hang on this could be a very interesting future to a look bit, at a bit like pam was saying you know i, I had my first booking for october coming the other day and the first thought that went into my head was i wonder if they'll let me wear crocs because <laughs> 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 that's where i'm at right now <laughs> I've, I've decided i am going to wear the same things i might i might actually get out my pajamas more often but um they're going to be more tutus on stage um because yeah. i have to have been enjoying. you're wearing a tutu now Pam are you I am wearing a tutu yeah I'm disappointed that you didn't do like you did the other day and say what you're wearing underneath okay Pam Don't. would you like to stand up and show us the tutu come on oh I can't actually stand up because I'm on a bar stool so I'll fall because oh, you might fall off okay so I'll show you as much of it as I can there you go wow that's amazing uh, Nigel, on, on behalf of the fashion police, you shouldn't be wearing Crocs full stop, mate. Well, exactly. well no, that's true. That's true, David. <laughs> I just, uh, N- Nigel, are you wearing a tutu as well? Just wondered. Not today, but later on. Later on. Okay. But I mean, when you talk about what Simon just said and David, that so I'm, I mean, it's going to sound like name dropping. So I did the Cayman Islands physically in February and had one of the most nightmare flights <laughs> ever. Took me like two days to get there, spoke. And I've now done two virtually. And the idea that I'm speaking at three o'clock and I'll be home at ten past four. 
sounds very attractive. And yes, the fee's slightly lower, but nowhere near as low as it would be with all the time and the effort of going there and everything else. So there's a bit that says the new world and the way we're going to work. See, I was clever there, Pam. I you was there. Close, close. I know. I was, I was there. Look at my going, oh, no. But there's a chance that the way we can work and the way it will be in doing virtual, online, doing some courses. So I've had time to create an, an online assessment tool, which I would never have done had I not had lockdown. I mean, I did make a faux pas. I said, I've never slept with the same woman for 100 days in a row. Uh, What I meant to say was I'd never slept in my bed for 100 days in a row. Literally, I've had lots of fun, but I do miss the face-to-face. So I'm now doing some coach and walk sessions, which I'm about to do in about an hour's time. So I have one of my London coaching clients coming to do a walk with the dogs. So that's a bit of a change. I think for busy speakers like David, et cetera, we could change our world and nearly earn the same amount of money. Okay, great. So the airlines are really worried because business travel has pretty much ceased, right? However, the global, you know, the people who are concerned about global warming and everything, of course, are delighted by this. Has the airlines been propped up then by business travel? Because I don't know whether it was you, Simon, or someone else I spoke to recently who told me that, because they did their conference online, yes. yeah. was that you, Simon? Yeah, it was. It was a, a big, uh, it was a big sales transformation project for a tech company, a uh, global, global. Yeah. And with a hundred, we had a hundred and twenty-five, I think, leaders going through a, a sales coaching cadence methodology integration with the CRM and etc. to to drive sales performance. And originally, it was going to be an America session in New York. It was going to be an EMEA session in London, where their headquarters are, and an APAC session in Singapore. So they would fly people into those three sessions, a yeah. two-day two-day in-person seminar. The CSO still wanted to go ahead. We went ahead. We were able to do it faster. We had a team on it, a producer and a couple of facilitators, etc. We ran the sessions. Client is delighted. And the head of sales enablement, his back of cigarette packet is they have saved somewhere between two hundred dollars and $250,000 on airfare, hotels. And that doesn't take into account lost selling time. For example, the guys from Australia, it would have been a four-day, four or five-day round trip and they would not have been available for customers. So I just don't see that they're going to go back to that in the same way or maybe the same amount. I think it's still going to happen because you, you can't get everybody together, et cetera, in the same way. But if you looked at that, you just have to go, my goodness, a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, that is a lot of money for anybody. Simon, you are know new products that physically ought to be seen, like mini exhibitions will probably happen. Yeah. And social gatherings, some new people can meet teams for team training is going to happen. But the, the, the old days of doing a pure keynote and then there'll be some breakout sessions probably won't happen because most of that can be done online. There'll just be different ways of gathering people. And the advantage we have is the whole of the UK, there are something like 10,000 meetings a day, literally. We are going to be the world's expert at doing the UK, Scotland, Ireland, and more local countries will do their own stuff. And although you might go abroad to do some work, we haven't touched the surface of the UK market. There are thousands of meetings that we just need to educate people that we are best placed to speak for those organisations. So let the CEO do the state of the nation and we will run the day. We just are scared to do that. So uh, we've got a brain expert here, neuroscience expert in Linda. So 
What's going on? Because the, the danger is now, of course, and everyone's mentioned it a little bit, people could say, well, actually, I, I want you for half the price of you being in person. So what's the kind of the brain stuff that's going on there? Will, will it be like Uber? Will it be a race to the bottom? You know, like Amazon, is it just a race to get the cheapest person? Because we've all lost gigs to people who are cheaper than us, right? You know, that's just the speaking industry. What do you think, Linda, about that? I think at the moment, people have been running scared, clearly. The uncertainty, the brain doesn't do gaps, okay? So people at the beginning of the un- beginning of all this was massive uncertainty, and it still is uncertainty, but for a different reason now, a slightly different reason. So the brain, what it does is it, it, it seeks information from all over the place, goes into a panic, fills the information up with stuff that will probably not happen, which means they're worrying about things that won't happen, which means that they become even more stressed, which means we're back in now in Pam's camp. You know, we're back in this this level of stress that gets higher and higher and higher and higher. So people are running scared and finances are at the front of people's minds as well as their health. So therefore, they're thinking, I've got to do this cheaper. We've got to cut costs. We've got to cut costs. We've got to cut costs. I think that's temporary. I think it's a temporary mindset whilst people get used to the idea that we are going to get back to something that is nothing like the new normality. <laughs> I didn't say new normal. Fine, everybody. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Can we call Nigel the old man? They're ganging up on me, folks. So so basically, I think that the finances are a massive issue at the moment because there's going to be huge redundancies. There's going to be a new way of working. I am being asked an awful lot to help companies reintroduce their workforce back. And I think they're missing a trick. We are all missing a trick. And the trick is this. Whatever we're planning next, we need to incorporate another pandemic It needs to incorporate another different virus. It needs to incorporate something because this threat now is not not unique. It's not a one-off. This could actually be something that we're going to have to cope with for an extremely long time. So we need to organize our businesses, including those who are paying us, to realize that we need to be paid. If we are not earning, we won't spend. And if we don't spend, the economy will collapse for sure. So everybody needs to be paid fairly and we need to incorporate this new way of working in terms of thinking there might be another pandemic of a different kind. Okay. I think on the call, we've just got now Rebecca Jones. Hello, Rebecca. I've had a bad morning. Just don't go there. We did introduce you earlier, but to everyone, this is a probably be video and audio as well, Rebecca. So um, (laughs) Rebecca is uh, currently the chair of of the Professional Speaking Association and he's an excellent speaker on entrepreneurship, SMEs, and stretchy thinking is what I said, I think. Would that be right? That's correct, yeah. So, Rebecca, we've just been catching up with how speaking is changing. You know, what have you been doing? You know, uh, but you're, you've become, because of your work with the PSA, you've become an events industry expert because you have been yeah. on the phone, I know, <laughs> to events and basically to, to venues for weeks and weeks, haven't you? So, uh, I have, I, yeah. I, and I've now ended up becoming an advisor to associations, it would seem. <laughs> so have you got a feel about, because we've been talking about hybrid working, will it go all online? Will it be keynotes in online mm-hmm. and other break? What's your feeling about, about the future? I, I think if you speak to venues, they're keen to push the hybrid for obvious reasons. If they, if they don't push hybrids, the venues can't see how they're ever going to earn any income from it. Yeah. They're still very confused because obviously at the moment 
the information that's coming out is very unclear. So they read into it what they want and some venues are thinking they're open, some are saying they're not, and it, it's quite messy. So yeah, a lot of them are looking at hybrid. I don't know, a lot of the associations that I've been speaking to have made the same decision as we have, which is just don't put any events on for the forthcoming months. Just wait until 2021, mainly because we just can't keep affording to put things on and cancel them. So I think for businesses and um, sort of organisations, I think you'd be really sensible in just looking at online for now. Yeah. So it is interesting. So um, I want to go back to Dave because Dave brought up loads of good points as well. But Rebecca, just quickly, how was your PSA stuff to the side, you as a speaker and trainer and consultant, what work have you been doing the last few weeks? Has it been um, all online? Has it been consultancy, one-on-one stuff? Have you been speaking and keynoting? Yeah, it's all online. And majority of it has been working with business owners, business leaders, which is what my background is anyway. In fact, interestingly, a lot of it has gone back a few steps so I'd started doing some more sort of future looking sort of work with large organizations and now we're sort of going back to the trends of what I had in the past which was can you work with these business owners and leaders they're feeling very much alone very isolated and they're trying to make decisions can you help them and I've probably worked not individually but in groups so I do a lot of action learning sets with business owners and yeah yeah, we were trying to calculate it the other day I think it's about 750 that I've worked with since lockdown began Right. Yeah, it's been a tad busy. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, so like you said, Dave, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be a little different. But you were were saying really for you, it's been a, yeah, as Simon said, a bit of a, um, as Peter Case is at a road to Domestos uh, kind of moment. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Where you're kind of like, this isn't how I... I don't have to work like I used to. We'd have to work differently. So, so Dave, are you going to say no to stuff? Will you pick and choose a bit more? Even on the online stuff, will you, like someone said, someone talked yeah. to me the other day about doing an all day thing. And I'm like, I don't want to be on Zoom all day, but I will like Simon squash it down and do it in 90 minute segments or something, you know? Um, Definitely. Yeah. And I know that I am better at speaking than facilitation. And I know that I'm better at facilitation than I am coaching. So I'm very happy for someone to say and prove that actually I can do all three, Dave. But very different skill sets, very different skill sets. And I see more of this as far more facilitation than it is speaking. And I had to stop kidding myself that I can present like I do on stage to a webcam. And so I've I've deliberately learned how to use, like Nigel was saying, props, visual aids. I've got all these sound buttons and make silly noises just to hold a, hold attention, you know, during the presentation, which some people like, some people don't. You know, I've, and, but it's uncomfortable. I don't like being like that, but it, it's about the customer. You know, I've, I've, I've learned to use the camera and go right up to the camera and use, use the voice and the whole gesture, body language thing. But it's different when you're sat in a chair. Yeah. that it is to when you're standing on a big stage with 500 people out in front of you, most of which are in yeah. darkness. It's, it's a whole new skill set. And to, to just assume we can rock up with our speaker skill set online, I think we'll be doing the customer and our reputation a disservice. We've, we've got to start saying no to things we're not good at yeah. and where we're okay at it, only do a bit of it. And 
nail what we're good at or best at. Yeah. Really interesting, David. So last Saturday and Sunday, Steph Duplessis, who some of you know from South Africa, was doing a practice session with a hundred speakers because he had a client that was 2,000 people and he had to organize 50 breakout rooms and he wanted to be able to pop in, have virtual screens. So no, and it was brilliant. What he actually said was, I'm going to practice with my speaker friends within PSA and do a rehearsal. So I did, I was like the warm-up act for the first day to encourage people to come on. Steve Simpson was the warm-up act on the Sunday. And Graham Codrington was like the warm-up act on the Monday to entice people to come onto the session. What we all need to do as speakers is where we're not very good at something, but we know we could be, is to ask some of our mates, can I play with you guys, try something out, and then, you know, let's see if I can go into a breakout room and let's see if I can do this and do other stuff. We would have done that in what you call your showcases, Lee. When you were president of PSA and you'd have a showcase speaker, the whole idea of having a showcase speaker was to see what went well, what could get better. We now think we don't need to be showcase speaking because we think we're experts in it. We're all not Simon's done a bit more than most because he did a lot to this afterwards. But that initial speech that you do to a client where they are going to judge you, you better be awesome because there's no second chances. So I've done lots of practice sessions with lots of people. I've now learned, just get ready for this, to share my slides and have my picture in the middle of it. That took me about four weeks. I, I'd lose myself. I didn't know if they could see the screen. I go, can you see this? Like, like when you be on a mic. Can you hear me at the back? They were the old days to speak. Can you hear me? Well, you can't do that as a professional speaker, being paid thousands of pounds. I hope you can see me. Hmm. But my self-esteem is so low that I was okay to ask people for support and say, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Can you help me out? Sure. Okay, so let me ask a couple of practical questions. I'm kind of aware of the time. If, if anyone wanting to leave in five minutes. Rebecca's just got here. She can't go anywhere. She's she about a minute ago. <laughs> She's here for all day now. Yeah. Right, um, let me ask I was just getting panicky. I couldn't get it to work, Nigel, so I thought I'd try anyway. You know? but, that, but that's the point about practising. What happens if you can't get on? Do you have a support system? So Jeff and I, Jeff Ram and I, have had this game. Just make sure you're around at 11 o'clock if I can't get on so you can present for me. Because you need a backup plan. I mean, if you're in Wales and you, and you live in a farm and you've got 18 grandchildren like Rebecca does, you better make sure you've got a support system or a generator. Steph in South Africa, Steph in South Africa, they lose power daily. He's got generators the size of Liverpool in the back of his house. That's the way the world has changed. Well, she, P- Pam's got a shed and she's got a spare shed. So she has two options of shed options so your plan that's that works out okay so do, do a little poll put your hands up who stands up to speak online that's because i can't yeah. see you bam it depends sometimes i do sometimes i don't what does that say about me i'm not sure i don't know interesting, isn't it? interesting. i think but, i think it's about what you're doing though because if i'm if it's more of a meeting then i'd sit down but if i'm presenting and it is like a either a keynote or a workshop presentation even if it's interactive then i'll stand up i'll move around i've got my my flip chart i've gone old-fashioned too no slides no fancy stuff occasionally breakout rooms but very focused and tight come back and chat 
And yeah, and I, but I do just just to add something on that I was going to say earlier about, oh, we're not traveling, we're not staying over, we're not driving, all of that. I think you still do have to realize how much it's a very different energy. And you do need, you know, I, I'm lucky that my partner's a videographer, so she produces and, you know, I've got I've got that going on. That's that's two people straight away that need paying for not just one and the energy it takes even if it's a shorter session and you haven't traveled it takes a lot of energy to because when you're in a room with people they're giving you energy you can see their reactions and you're bouncing off the ideas they're coming out with or you know little little giggles when you're talking about their leaders or whatever you know you you feed off that and and online you have to bring all the energy you're totally on you know generating all of that so I think we have to take that into account. I think also we must think about the clients who are on the call or the presentation or whatever. Latest research has shown that the effort it takes to concentrate on an online screen with lots of things and you're looking for who said that and you're looking over the and you're looking for the person who spoke you can't get the eye contact going because if you're looking at their eyes that you're not showing your eyes and so you haven't got that going on there's a huge amount going on and research has shown that the effort it's taking is very similar to the effort it takes for somebody who's partially deaf to listen and that's really quite exhausting so in so we must think about the clients and how exhausted they are listening to us as as well as we being exhausted presenting one thing i saw that i was a bit disappointed with when this all first started kicking off there was lots of conversations going on um what camera is going to make me the look best what lights do i need to make me look the best what do i need to make me look amazing what about what do i need to do whatever and it was this focus on the speaker and very, very few questions were being asked about the audience and the customer needs. And those. And the focus was, was the default, disappointingly, seemed to be more about the speaker as the rock star than about the audience that we are serving. And I think that this, the, the, the remote situation we were in, lockdown, just brought out what was there previously for some people. It's not about us. Yeah. It's about the audience, about the client, the client needs, exactly to Linda's point. Think about what's best for the audience. How are they best going to learn? How are they best going to be inspired? What do they want to do? So, you know, get out your own head. Get inside. Get inside your yeah, customers. So, get inside your audience's head. You know. Thanks, Sam. That's so. That's so true. And unfortunately, our, our industry, you know, does attract people with large egos, and they like being on a big stage. I know it's a shock, isn't it? So but they I. like being on a big <laughs> stage. They like being clapped. But I mean, I'll go back to Dave Heiner. Dave has been a help and oh guess. thanks for that big egos let's go back to dave Island. <laughs> yeah yeah thanks stuff cheers That's mate not what i said <laughs> i think it was by the way just for the record if we want to play this back lee that's exactly <laughs> what you said <laughs> dave's one of those guys that says things to you that you know is true but is really annoying he has that little side to him you know that <laughs> face is exactly what i'm talking about right there and i'll, I'll sometimes talk about stuff and then and then, and then he says to me but what do your clients think, though, Lee? <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah. I've never heard him say that. But he's like, but Dave, I've got this new idea, I've got this new thing, and he's like, well, what do your customers think? And I, I know it, it's just like, oh, he's so annoying. But it's absolutely true. You know, we get so involved in, here's our new program, here's my new, you know, tool that I've developed, but actually, it's like, well, is that what people need? And so I've I've delivered some keynote type stuff but now i'm not I, i'm looking for interaction a lot so i've got this thing i've probably mentioned it before on the podcast is teach for 10 so I don't, I don't do anything now for more than 10 minutes without stopping 
and breaking it up to what do you think? Have you got a question, discussion? So immediately it's going to breakout rooms. Here's a prop, here's a video, here's whatever. So it's for me, it's 10 minutes and then do something different. And it's not, and I think I'm a pretty engaging and funny speaker. It's just that I know that pressure that Linda says they're on whatever, Nigel. I can see you. (laughs) (laughs) You were so confident saying that. You should have known we were all going to go. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And that's why you have friends in your life. And um, maybe we won't go back to ego, will we? But but the reality is, is is they're struggling a bit, aren't they? And and that's difficult. I mean, Linda, did you? I, I heard the statistic, and I've tried to Google it. I've tried to research it, and I can't find it. People are saying that a Zoom meeting or Zoom presentation is maybe 30% more tiring than in person. I'd love to get a percentage. Would you have an idea about that? I don't know how they can give that percentage. How do they measure that? Well, I guess if you're 30% more tired at the end of an hour of Zoom than you are. Because I was thinking if in a face-to-face meeting or presentation, you wouldn't look at the speaker the whole time. You'd look out the window you you know you might look at your phone for a set. You, you, you would look around. See yourself either. Sorry. <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to see yourself either. I think that that's really it because then people. You know, I've had a particularly women, but I think it's a, a, across the board who hate it because they're so self conscious of what they look like, which you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily be in a in an ordinary room. See, I won't speak to myself on a webinar. I want to talk Good. to people. Yeah. And if it's seriously. I don't want to just have my face on a screen doing a session. I want to talk to people like this. Yeah. And whether I'm now the whole screen, because I don't know that because I'm not clever enough. I don't know if I'm now appearing because the yellow circles around me as the whole screen. But I want to talk to people and see the yeah. colour of their eyes. Yeah. And then, you know, when there's 300 people, and then you've got to start scrolling further around, which is what Linda was saying when people start saying, they ask you a question. But I insist on speaking to people, even if it's just a hostess or host, hostess, host, the, the MC or whatever the word is, just one person. I want to talk to somebody. I don't want to look at myself just talking to me. Yeah. Show me some research last week on negotiating virtually with some clients on a webinar. And uh, interesting piece of research that the self-view, when Westerners, people with an individualized culture like you, USA, UK, yeah. increases feelings of self-consciousness, etc. So we're advising when people are negotiating in this environment to switch off your self-view. They can still see you on camera but you're not, you're not seeing yourself because you wouldn't in a face-to-face interaction. So I think yeah. Nigel's point is, is a good one. And again, why would you want to see? You know, you know what you look like, goodness gracious. You can just look <laughs> in the mirror, yeah? That's the, you know, like, so I think that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great piece of research. Yeah, go on, David. Go on, David. We've got to hit David. He doesn't mind, David. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I've had to fit a lock on my office door. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, my son walked in. Fortunately, it wasn't a client thing. It was just a Zoom with friends. And my son walked in in his pants with his hand inside his pants and just stood behind, scratching himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, oh, taxi for Heiner. <laughs> just for the context of that, Dave's, Dave's son does have a disability, doesn't he? And so that is, uh, that is what, just not a random, random teenager. <laughs> At the moment, his disability is a total addiction to not wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Okay. That's wonderful. I've had anyone 
started using sort of the opportunity now to go somewhere else to do their course because I mean I've been pairing up I've really fortunately started doing some local networking virtually so crazy how is crazy as this so I've never been to my local networking meeting for business owners because I was never, <laughs> never here so I've been going because it's now virtual <laughs> and I met a guy who literally lives the other side of the hill to me who is a video guy for conferences. I never even knew he lived there. What? And that's what he did. And he has all the kit, which he's now set up in his garage. So if I really need to do something really important for a client, he also has better internet than I do. So I go there. He's got all of the kit. And I just talk to him. I'm not sure he's really enjoying it, but it seems to work really well. But he's able to, you know, put the text along the bottom. I can give him the slides in advance. He can sort of merge the text in. He can do all sorts of fancy, witty things. I mean, clearly at the moment we're just experimenting, but the concept for me will be that if a client wants a really fancy thing, he can do it, and he'll, but they'll have to pay for both of us. But it also means it takes that tech issue for me off of my shoulders and means I could just concentrate on what I'm doing. Yeah, do that. And that, Pam does that. It just Pam just happens yeah. to have a partner I that can know. do that, which is kind of handy. But I think divorce now is just going to be a bit... <laughs> I want to stay together with technical people. Yeah, okay. So let's, I'm aware of time, so I won't, won't go on forever. One practical question. When you're speaking, say if you're using Zoom, because Zoom is sort of 80% standard for stuff at the moment, do you mute all of your audience or do you like the distractions and the people? What's your general view on muting? It depends on the number of people. Okay. If it's a, if it's a large group, then I think they need to be muted. A lot of people don't understand the etiquette. Um, and equally, some people, if they've got their camera switched off, they're going to interrupt because they don't realize someone's about to speak. So you've got to keep your eye on the ball. But if it's a smaller group of people, then I unmute. Yeah. I prefer that. Yeah. Anyone else? Any thoughts? Yeah, large, large webinar last week, 400, 400 sales leaders. We muted everybody on entry and then we opened, we used chat as the main feedback loop for them and gave them opportunities to interact. And then when we finished, we opened all the mics and anybody wanted to stick around to do, to do Q and A. I was running a virtual storytelling seminar this morning. I had 10 people on it. They were all unmuted because I wanted, I wanted the interactivity. So it, it, it depends on on what it is and also what best serves the audience. Yeah. So what platform do you use for the larger one then? Zoom, Zoom webinar we've been okay. we've been using and it's been it's been pretty it's pretty pretty decent. You know actually you've you got to you've got to give some kudos to Zoom, haven't you? And really in terms of yeah. their learning and development curve and the way they've coped <laughs> with this. I mean God, I wish I'd have had shares in them. Yeah, well, Microsoft Teams are going to have to really raise their game, aren't they? I think that seems to be the... So I'm sure the Microsoft developers are running around like headless chickens at the moment, trying to trying to find a way to replicate some of the... Well, they're, the they're just bringing in the virtual audience, Microsoft Teams, so they've got a little edge. It's not being rolled out. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Because everyone's sat looking towards the camera. Yeah. So they take so a picture... Yeah. You've got to have these faces in front of you, a bit like the football is at the moment, <laughs> photographs. So, yeah. My word, but everyone who uses Teams, I mean, people say it's unreliable. I've seen calls dropping in and out. When I've been on Zoom, I mean, Rebecca's had local issues to try and get on here today, but I've not had one dropout, not one kind of like, because Zoom seems a much more reliable kind of. Finally, you're using your power and not doing it through your Wi-Fi. So for lots of people, if it's their main computer, it's phenomenal Zoom. 
I do it this way all the time in my office. What's really interesting is so when I do my animal presentation and I talk about the lions hate to be muted. The elephants have loved the lockdown. They've loved the idea for four months. They've not had to see anybody. The dolphins want to see people's faces and the monkeys are going to interrupt anyway. So, you know, I've been playing with it. So I just say to all the monkeys, if you could just l- turn down, mute it a little bit. And for the lines, we're not going to mute you because you'd feel so uncomfortable. So I've used it as a tool about mute and unmute. And I've got away with it because I've done my personality profiling very early on. But it is a whole new way of working. We've got to learn to pivot and we're going to have to make sure in these unprecedented times where all the speakers have to learn to make sure that we need to learn how to do our speech all over again. Because most speakers think they can speak. This is a whole new way of working and we're going to have to relearn everything we've thought we've learned and get good at asking for support. So, Lee, thank you for inviting us because we're all still learning. Yeah, thank you. So there you go. That's £10 fine to Risner. No problem at all. We've got that. So, okay, I'm aware of time. So let's just go one by one. Often we have newer speakers or speakers at the beginning. What advice would you give to a speaker now in this new season that we're in? Simon. What do your customers need now? What are the biggest problems they are facing? What is the impact of those problems? And how can you be the solution that overcomes those problems and lets them achieve the results that they want? Great. David? Similar. Seek to serve. Don't go to seek applause. You'll get the applause if you serve. Okay, great. Linda? Any ideas? I agree with everything so far. And I also think just focus on what is worth doing. Do not focus on things that are not serving you. Let it go. Or serving your customers, of course, and clients. Just let it go and focus on things that are actually working. Great. Rebecca? You go back to what you really know and serve people with what you really know because actually that in-depth knowledge is what people are craving at the moment. Yeah, great. And Pam? Yeah, everything everybody said and that whole customer focus, solve their problems thing and meet them where they're at. But that has to be balanced because that's what I do is ask people to balance that with how is that for you? So how do you want to present? What's the mix that you want? What's going to be good for your well-being? You know, I think to start with in lockdown, I was like, I'm going to do a video every day to support the world and it's going to be for free. And, blah, blah, blah. and I just got exhausted. But I just stepped into that part of the reaction to crisis, which is I've got to go do something. So I think this is a great opportunity to sit back and say, how do I want my days to be? How do I want my lifestyle to be? And how can I reduce my stress? How can I make this great for me and great for them? It's that balance for me. Right. And Nigel. Well, I'm actually going to answer your question, okay? Because Please everyone do. else knows not to, really. You actually asked, how is this going to help new speakers? Is that the question? Yeah, newer or newer speakers. Yeah, yeah. This is the greatest time to be able to show your wares for virtually no money. It doesn't cost you very much money. You can ring up 20 people and say, can I play with your team for 20 minutes? Can I video it? Can I then learn from it? Send that video to someone like Simon or David or Pam and get some feedback later on. And then this is the greatest time for my acronym of Fit, Feel, Flee. You know, if the fit's right and you want to progress and as a new speaker, play with 20 people. If the fee's right, do it. And if, if both of those aren't right, like Pam said about your own energy and doing too much, then you've got to flee. But now's the greatest chance for new speakers to share with other people what you do. And if you suck, it's nearly acceptable because you're new. It's Zoom and you can blame Zoom in a way. And you just go, <laughs> and then you just start doing this. And then 
I don't know what's going on and uh, something's happening with my video and and you should, and, and everyone can get away with that for the first time ever. You couldn't do that on a live presentation. Who's that? I don't know. That's, that's me on a good day, by the way. I think it's yeah. Nigel's younger brother, isn't it? That's <laughs> you when you were 20. <laughs> okay, he's back. So let me... Um... Can't believe that. And that, that's why you have a great mastermind team like this <laughs> who support you and love you. Lovely. <laughs> that's what the PSA is all about, finding a supportive tribe. Lovely. Right. I'm going to please hang on to the call for later, but I'm going to draw it to a close because we are speakers and we could be here all day long. You've all been wonderful. Simon Hazeldean, Pam Burrows, Dave Heiner, Linda Shaw, Rebecca Jones and Nigel Risner. A big thank you and thank you for coming on board and being part of this. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you again sometime. Cheers. Yeah, look forward Bye. to it. Bye. Right. Thanks for listening to the Get Good at Presenting podcast with your host, Lee Jackson. If you'd like to know more about Lee's work as a motivational keynote speaker and presentation coach, visit his website at leejackson.biz. That's leejackson.biz.